0: come now to our reading. Uh, We're going to read from Isaiah and we're going to read Isaiah uh, chapter 9 and then we're going to jump over to John's gospel a little bit as well and read a few verses from John chapter 14. First Sunday in Advent folks and we're thinking about the peace uh, that Jesus brings, the peace to the world um, as I think to the world is our kind of series and looking at various things that Christmas brings to the world. Um, and of course, Prince of Peace is a name that was given to Jesus some 700 odd years before he was born and before the events of that very first Christmas. Friends, I wonder, would you agree that we live in a very divisive, a divisive and polarized society, uh, more so certainly than any time I can remember, even growing up in Northern Ireland where divisions run deep, they're maybe not quite as deep, but um, they're certainly much broader, I think, at the moment. Um, There are issues that seem to be so divisive and so polarising in our society, even within friends and family and networks, even over the last few months and years. Politics is obviously a huge one, but it seems to be becoming, and maybe I'm wrong, becoming more and more polarised. Brexit, of course, which we've been through. Independence is always there in the background as well, isn't it? As long as many other issues, climate issues, they're very polarising, aren't they? They cause a lot of division between People and different views on climate, COVID. It's still there, isn't it? And even the division over COVID and views on it, gender issues, and on it goes. And that's just naming a few. Um, and these are bizarrely worldwide in many ways as well. We with my, my, have with family in New Zealand. We spent some time in New Zealand uh, not long ago. Um, and the biggest cause of division, I, had to, I, was, I was meeting with church leaders and I uh, asked them, what was the biggest cause of division? in churches recently, and it's COVID. It's how churches deal with, what, done, what Christians have done with COVID, how they view it, and this polarizing effect that causes division uh, within even close friendships and, um, and office spaces and workspace, in your own workspace, these causes of division that we're so familiar with. And passionately, we maintain passionate views on things, and there's nothing wrong at all with that, but passionate disagreement and discussing them can very quickly cause division and lead to a lack of peace, polarization, and the division is propagated. So, when it comes to peace at Christmas time in our society, it's not a society where bullets will be flying, I don't think, or where, where, where we're in fear of violence or mortal combat, thankfully, um, or concern about physical harm. But nonetheless, the effects of war and the effects of conflict. Uh, will be evident around us every time we meet together, uh, and that 's even before we mention family and family relationships at Christmas time, which can be so, uh, so strained. they work in the prison, and Christmas is, a, uh, is often a time of, of significantly increased domestic relation, domestic conflict and difficulty within relations. Does Christmas make any difference to that? Does this peace we talk about Jesus bringing? make any difference to that what impact is the prince of peace to have as christians we can sometimes think uh like those little bracelets encourages us to uh, encourage us to what would jesus do what would jesus do wwjd and seek to work that out politically maybe that's what we think we think well what would jesus do in my political arena you know and 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 where i live what would jesus view be on this what would jesus you be on this on this debated hot topic. How, what would Jesus think of that? What should I believe? Because what would um, what would he believe? Um, and of course, I think in many of these, Jesus wouldn't say. <laughs> he doesn't come down on either side, uh, one way or the other. Uh, he certainly didn't come down on either side in his own environment, which was a polarized, divisive society when he came to this earth. Independence from subjection was. Uh, really pertinent at the time between Rome and his own people, Israel. Rome's rule, Israel, Israel's forced subdu- subjugation, uh, forced not slavery but almost, not unlike it, subjugation under uh, Rome anyway. Uh, independence from that was a huge issue for him and we know that from the disciples and from some of the questions that they asked about it as well. Historical divisions, even within God's own people, between the Samaritans and the Jews and uh, and disharmony there with Samaritans worshipping in Samaria uh, and, uh, and the Jews worshipping in Jerusalem as different worship centres. It was a divisive, polarised society uh, that Jesus was born into as the Prince of Peace. Um, so how do we see him? How do we see him as the Prince of Peace this morning? What are we to make of it? And so I want to look at these couple of readings, which I think speak directly about the peace of Christmas. Uh, firstly, as he speaks about peace being left with his disciples and or latterly in John's gospel and also how Jesus is described, as I say, seven, six centuries before he came as the Prince of Peace. Let's read Isaiah chapter nine uh, and verses one to seven. It's really just six and seven, uh, but we'll read from verse one to seven. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And then jumping over to John chapter 14 and reading verses 25 to 27. John 14, 25 to 27. Jesus' words as he promises the Holy Spirit. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then if you have your Bible there, just turn over or flick over. Uh, to John 16 and uh, verse 33, the very last verse of chapter 16, which references uh, the peace again. I have said these things, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen, and may God bless the reading of his word to us today. So folks, what does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the Prince of Peace uh, for you and for me this Christmas? It's interesting uh, to note about the driving force behind it in Isaiah, as he tells us. What's the driving force of this Prince of Peace and the increase of peace? Well, the driving force uh, of it is the zeal of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. That's what hosts is. The Lord of Armies, and the zeal of the Lord of Armies is the driver of that peace there 's a certainty about it because of that. The driver of this peace uh, and this prince of peace, uh, born in the manger, is uh, the Lord of Armies, and also a word about it about its effectiveness. This is zeal driven by God, who is the host, the Lord of the hosts, the Lord of the armies and there 's a lot of people I guess here you and me included who would passionately. Uh, and with zeal pursue many things. Consider what you pursue with zeal. Um, And we're reminded that the one behind the Prince of Peace is God. Pursuing that Prince of Peace, which just adds certainty to it. It doesn't tell us what it is, but it adds certainty uh, to it. And also that word increase of the increase of his government and the increase of peace, there will be no end, which is a really pertinent uh, expression as well, and word in that sentence. That's one I especially enjoy in Northern Ireland and many other places where peace can be a pseudonym for something else. Peace can be even a pseudonym for defeat or for victory, or peace is for show. Uh, very often we have that, or a political strategy. That's what peace is. And um, often, peace in the world's terms, whether it's between peoples or groups or individuals, it's fragile and it's short-lived. But the peace that the Lord of Armies is driving increases. As time goes by, it doesn't get fragile or get wobbly or shake. It increases. It gets stronger as time goes on. It's a great thing. As time passes, the peace from this Prince of Peace increases and there's no end to his peace. But yet we have to determine what the peace is. Um, peace or shalom in the Old Testament is a word some of us will be familiar with. And it's buried in meaning, isn't it? It's never just an absence of war. It never just means there is no battle anymore, but actually it's much, much more often referred to the soul. And inwardly, there's a shalom, a peace, a holistic uh, peace, soundness, health, well-being in every area, well-being right across the board, inwardly in the soul, all good in relation to man, to man, to woman, all good in relation to God as well. And the New Testament and the peace, that the Prince of Peace brings. Well, we can think of it helpfully, I think, under two headings. Uh, First of all, peace with God and peace from God. Peace with God and peace from God. Now, readings from John help us to understand both, I think, and why. Help us to understand why God's peace is actually the best Christmas gift or one of the best Christmas gifts we can know about uh, this Christmas. That actually the gift of peace with God And peace from God. First of all, peace with God. Paul makes much, doesn't he, in his letters and especially Romans of justification. It's a word we'll be familiar with, many of us. We're justified by faith. As believers of old, we're justified by faith as well. And everyone anywhere in the planet that has been justified or will be justified, well, it's by faith. And in Romans 5, at the very start, Paul says, an upshot of being justified by faith. Therefore, he says, since we have been, past tense, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So peace with God. God's plan that first Christmas was that this Christmas, today, 2022 Christmas, there would be a world with a whole number, you included a whole number of little, little peace people, if you like. Little peace people, uh, people who are no longer enemies of God, who once were enemies of God, and we don't hear much about that, sure we don't, even in the church often sadly, we don't hear much about it, Uh, where God is at the centre of everything, um, and we are born enemies of God. We don't like hearing that, I don't think, do we? That doesn't—that sits awkwardly with us. It's, the Bible's clear teaching. And yet we think, ooh, we're born enemies of God. Everybody born is an enemy of God. God is at the centre. We much prefer us being at the centre. And God kind of on the peripheries. And quite grateful, actually, God should be quite grateful that we, we serve him and that we, wor- we worship him and we take time to do that. No, that's not the Bible's presentation of it no god uh, god is at the center Uh, behold our god seated on his throne that lord of armies an enemy we were enemies of his but for the peace through christ because of christmas instead of knowing god's curse and god's anger and god's frown and god's displeasure uh, we know his favor it's a concept very foreign to us even doing I was, I was doing the, the story of Noah recently. Yeah, Noah and the ark. And how much we love, and it's easy to focus on the latter part, God saves, isn't it? That's our message, God saves. And we go straight there often with Noah. And we think, look, God saved Noah. God saved his family. God was starting again. We forget why, We forget why God needed to save Noah. Because God was destroying the world because of its sin, because of its rebellion was wiping everybody out so yes there's there's judgment in there isn't there but the judgment comes before the salvation and how hard that is often for us to to think about ourselves let alone share with people and uh, we're to go out as people who are at peace with God amongst other enemies of God other people who are still at enmity as that reading in Genesis that we'll read at some point over the next month um, puts it enmity at enmity with God uh, and live as people who have found peace with God through Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's called positional peace because our position with God has changed. We've changed from being enemies of the highest order to being close in a close relationship and an intimate relationship. And you'll remember at the time of Jesus and just after who the peace offered through Christmas was for. It was for Jew and Gentile, wasn't it? That peace is available for everyone all men and women all boys and girls from both sides at the time of that main community divide and so when it comes to us this christmas god is for everybody and that peace that christmas brings is for everybody and sometimes i find it helpful to think of that in relation to people that might be of a very different view from me whether it's to do with a vaxxer or non-vaxxer brexiteer or remainer Uh, unionist or nationalist um, climate skeptic climate warrior that peace of God is for all Um, the vegan, the meat eater the Tory voters, the Green Party voters, the Labour voters how often we can almost, and especially at Christmas time maybe forget that the peace of God that comes through Jesus Christ and that ceasing, ceasing of being an enemy of God, is available to all. That's our priority at Christmas time, isn't it? That's what we rejoice in. And how tragic it would be if my view on any of those issues stopped somebody else or hindered somebody else from hearing about the peace or knowing about the peace that's available uh, with God through Jesus Christ. How tragic that would be. So yes, we're passionate about things and so we should be and there's no harm in that. But we're passionate more about the peace that comes through Jesus Christ with God, aren't we? That's our bigger passion. That passion's all the other ones are subsumed in that one. That's the one that matters most. Those other views, yeah, we, we, we think them, we believe them passionately for a bunch of reasons. Um, but actually, there's that overarching one that's much more important to us. And is communicated as much more important. No matter where we fall on that sliding scale between the two pullers, if you like. In society, what matters much more is peace with God through Jesus Christ, and for others, that matters so much. And um, so maybe there is at times a need for me, for others, to step back, for you to step back from those passionate matters when it comes to Christmas, because we have a greater passion about a much greater matter, and what matters most is not where we place ourselves in these divisive issues, uh, nor where we believe God would have us placed on them. Uh, but actually, uh, actually the person that we disagree with or the person that perhaps we're polar opposite to on that issue can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, just as we have found peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can be zealous about them, we can have zeal for them, but the zeal of the Lord of hosts, the zeal of the Lord of armies matters so much more. And the goal That he is pursuing matters so much more. And Jesus exemplified that, I think, for us to the frustration of his disciples at times and the confusion of his disciples. Do you remember them saying, Will you at this time restore Israel? And they didn't get it. They were thinking, they were thinking of what Jesus had come to do in the earthly earthly scene, weren't they? They weren't thinking of what he had come to do in people's hearts and how he'd come to bring peace. and as I say, wouldn't it be tragic if people didn't hear about the Prince of Peace because of our political views or because of the team we support or because our views on one thing or another that we're zealous about and actually that zeal hindering them in some way from hearing. Not that our view's wrong, but that it might hinder them. And it's not as important as that, political, as that positional peace with Jesus Christ. So peace with God. First of all, and then peace from God, the peace that we receive from God. And this is the peace that Jesus spoke of and John records for us several things about it. First of all, it's through Jesus Christ again. Um, Just like peace with God is through Jesus Christ, the peace that comes from God is through Jesus Christ. Isn't it great when there's mutual respect and open dialogue between faiths? Uh, But like that peace with God, the peace from God only comes through Jesus Christ. Um, It's not found anywhere else but through him. And we need reminded of this piece. Notice that as well in verses 25 and 26 of John's gospel. Jesus is saying to the disciples, I've told you these things, but the Holy Spirit will come and teach you and will come and remind you of them and the things pertaining to me. And yes, that'll be all of Jesus' teaching, all of his doing as well as his teaching. But actually immediately says straight afterwards, my peace I leave with you. There's this this notion and and, and implication in the text that actually we need reminded of the peace of God often. The Holy Spirit will remind us of that peace um, and will bring it to our memory and we need that. So we need reminded of his peace. Often the peace that Jesus leaves and he gives, we need reminded of. And especially at Christmas time, when we're asked what's the greatest thing about Christmas, What's the best thing about Christmas? And we'll be asked that. What do you enjoy most? What do you like most about Christmas? And this would come to mind. If we're sitting here, this will come to mind. If we're not sitting here, does it come to mind? And if it does come to mind, do we say it? <laughs> that's another matter, isn't it? But when we're out there, we need reminded. We need reminded. The greatest gift, that's certainly one of the greatest gifts through Christmas time, is peace. Peace with God and peace from God the peace that he gives us and that peace verse 27 is not like the world's peace um, it's not like the world gives because it's peace with God which the world can't do uh, without Christ but the nature of the peace that the world that God gives is different from the nature of the peace that the world gives amidst a polarized society. And that's it, isn't it? That's a difference. It's a gift that Jesus gives us that calms, uh, that calms a troubled heart as we've been singing and removes fear. Uh, but that doesn't mean that peaceful surroundings prevail around us, does it? Definitely not. That's not the peace that is offered, but it's peace despite the surroundings. And that's the big difference, isn't it? Between the peace that the world would talk about and peace that the Christian talks about. The peace that the world talks about needs to come from circumstances. There needs to be peace peace around for there to be peace within. Once you can't be peace within when there's war around. That can't happen. Or when there's turmoil around. We need to sort the turmoil. We need to sort the war. And then peace can prevail and peace can, can, can infiltrate us as well. That's not the way it works. The peace that God gives, he gives to, to the heart, doesn't he? He gives us internal peace. And it actually is totally independent of the circumstances, totally independent. And Christians have testified to that many, many times. So that when fear and anxiety are all around and invade, harmony is maintained. A form of harmony in Christ is maintained. Deeper harmony and composure is maintained. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And the the pivot for that is not circumstances, not saying don't let your hearts be troubled because the circumstances will change at some point don't let your hearts be troubled because i'm sorting out those circumstances no the circumstances may well remain and maybe get worse but that's not your source of peace that's not where the peace is coming from Um, no christ's peace is internal and totally independent of circumstances such a peace doesn't exist does it how can someone have peace when they're amidst of turmoil or in the midst of, of toughest hours. And yet isn't that exactly what Jesus showed us. And manifested his transcendent peace. In the midst of his toughest hours. His suffering and his death. And it's that peace that he gives to you and to me. John 16. In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. That's it in a sentence. In, the, in me you will have peace. In the world You will have tribulation. And of course, where are we? We're in him and we're in the world. So we know peace, but we know tribulation around us, which doesn't damage our peace. We think, look at that and think they're mutually exclusive. How can you have peace when you're in tribulation? Well, only in Christ. That's the only way you can have peace in tribulation. The peace the world gives needs peace externally. Uh, The tribulation needs to end whatever that tribulation might look like in your life, but for the believer it coexists with peace because that peace is within and given from God. It's not a result of a ceasefire, uh, but something that's given, even though the battle rages around. And friends, that's true of uh, Christians around the world who are suffering this morning. We've been remembering some of them and it's true of us. And many of us maybe can testify to it in turbulent, turbulent times. Um, And dark times and difficult times, the peace of God, which doesn't make sense. It transcends understanding. But you've known it, and I've known it, at a time in your life when it doesn't make sense to have peace. That's God's peace, because it doesn't come from anywhere but him. And it seems to me the one time um, when, ironically, when we sing about it most and we get cards that say it most about peace and the peace of Christmas, uh, can be the time when we forget it most, not because of the, uh, perhaps, uh, turbulence around us, but because of the distraction that goes on around us. Not disaster, but distraction simply takes us away from it. And so we need reminded of it, a peaceful disposition or spirit. This Christmas can be yours and can be mine. And that doesn't mean we don't strive for peace with our fellow man and woman, with others, uh, but it's always on the back of the peace that Jesus brings. That's a, the we're, we're riding on the coattails of the peace that we have with God and the peace that we have from God when we make peace and seek to keep peace and maintain peace with other people. Um, because it's by the peace that comes through the blood of the cross. And that's why he's called the Prince of Peace. And that's how it works, folks, isn't it? The world can't give peace, it's powerless too because of what inhabits the heart of the enemy of God and what inhabits your heart and my heart before we came to know God and before he changed our heart and gave us a new heart. That hatred in one form or another, that bitterness, that um, malice, that anxiety, that fear, that worry, manifested in a host of different ways, hidden in a host of different ways in our lives, but present, present in every human heart. And on the cross, Jesus absorbs in himself that hatred, uh, that that bitterness, that malice, uh, those anxieties, that fear when he absorbed the sin of the world. And so this peace really is a gift. It's a gift from God. I think of the cards that I've got over the years and no doubt we will get this year with Prince of Peace on them. I wonder what the graphic is or the picture is in those cards. You can think about that when they come in. Prince of Peace, it says, I wonder what the graphic is. It's going to be a dove, isn't it? I wonder what it is um, and what would be more appropriate. But actually the number of times I've set them down without a thought the way that we do. But nothing that we do, nothing that we receive uh, this Christmas is like this gift. We can't find a greater gift to share with others as well. And our minds begin to turn to that, don't we? What are we getting, folk? What will I give them? Um, Let's remember that in our prayers. That actually we share with them the greatest gift. And one of those greatest gifts is surely peace with God. And peace from God. And if it's a gift, if it's a gift you've yet to receive, if it's a gift that you've not had yet, well... Please let me encourage you. Don't let another Christmas go by uh, without finding it. Let me pray just before we sing our closing song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of year. Heavenly Father, it gives us another opportunity to celebrate and to celebrate the peace that you bring. Lord, um, we are not great um, ambassadors of yours at all, often, Lord, and we forget the peace. That comes from you, and Lord we don't um, we don't dwell on the peace uh, that we have with you, Lord, we thank you this morning that we are no longer enemies of yours because of Jesus, heavenly Father, we thank you for the peace that Jesus gives that surpasses understanding that doesn 't come from our circumstances. Father, you know our circumstances well this morning, you know each one of our circumstances well, father, you know the degree of uh, of uh, turbulence that we're living in at the moment, or the degree of anxiety or fear that we may have about future turbulence. Lord, we pray that in the midst of it all this Christmas, we would know uh, the peace of God that comes from the Prince of Peace this Christmas. And Father, may we not just know it, but may we live as peace people, (laughs) Lord, people who evidently and evidently to others, are at peace with you. And we pray, Father, that we would be asked questions in the coming month. And as we're asked questions about the greatest things of Christmas, what we enjoy most, Lord, may the peace of God not just be something that comes to mind, but something that we're able and willing and bold enough to share with others. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.